His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, yeah. That's way more rhythm than you'd ever hear out of us. <laughs> hmm. I transferred, airdropped my notes from my phone onto one of these iPads so that I could have a bigger screen. That's what youth can bring to the table. <laughs> uh, um. All right. <laughs> You're still young, Brian. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you ah, that you are um, you're doing stuff. <laughs> Lord, you're not an um, inactive God. Lord, you're always moving. You're always, um, Lord, just doing things in our lives, doing things around us. Lord, we just thank you for it. Lord, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move through me and Haley as we share, and Lord, through the words of knowledge that are going to be afterwards, Lord, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to uh, do what you want to do. Just do what you want to do. Amen. All right. <clears throat> okay, so I, um, I was just going to share kind of some stuff that um, in the past couple years, really, it's um, just some stuff that the Lord's been highlighting with me and doing in my heart, and I hope that they, um, I hope they speak to you. If not, then it, it will just be good reassurance that you know some stuff, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <coughs> a lot of the stuff is like heart issues, and so before I talk about them, I didn't, I wanted to start off because uh, everything begins with his love. It all, our whole relationship goes back to his love. And um, I was just thinking about this. I felt like the Lord spoke this, that he loves me more than I've ever taken the time to understand. And if you think about that, if you're trying to figure something out, you can spend a lot of time researching articles, facts, and you, you do all this I'm this way anyways. I can do all of this research about something that I'm interested in. And I just felt like I've done that sort of with, with his love, but he loves me way more than I could ever understand, than I've ever taken the time to understand, than I ever could take the time to understand. He loves me way more than that. Um, if, if I think he loves me, but don't understand how limitless, how radical, and how outrageous it is, then my love for others will look limited, mediocre, and passive. If you think God loves you just passively, then that's really what comes out of you when you're loving other people. It's like what Sean was sharing, that he has um, faith for people because he just knows how much God loves them. And if you don't know how much God loves you, how can you, how can you know how much he's gonna lo he loves the person standing in front of you? We've been called to change the world. We all have. And we do that by his contagious, outrageous love. That's it. That's, it's really simple. This is um, one that I love, a verse. It's um, Galatians 5, 6. When you were placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligation can benefit you nothing. 
All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. I was reading that the other day, and the thing that stood out to me was that faith is activated by love and brought to perfection by love. It means that you receive love, and because you feel the love, your faith is activated. You can believe that God has good for you because you felt the love. We know that God has good for us because we've seen Jesus on the cross. We saw the act of love, and it made us come alive, our faith come alive. So really, if you need more faith, it's just get in his love, soak in his love. <clears throat> and uh, this is uh, something I, um, this is Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. This is just um, awesome verse, and I just want to speak this over us. I think this is something that everybody has been getting revelations on, his love and our identity, and I just want to like, just recap it, just set it in stone and who we are. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family <laughs> because of the blood of Jesus, not because we earned it. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. How awesome. Boldly and without hesitation. He doesn't look at you and hesitate when he beckons you into his throne room. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. So it's not a little thing. His body was torn for you. It's not a little thing that you have access to God. And since now we have a magnificent high priest to uh, welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. How awesome. All right, so the things that um, the Lord's been speaking to me on. Did Josh and Brian leave? Gosh. Wow, I didn't even hardly get started. <laughs> Uh, um, so one thing that um, these are just kind of random but one thing that the Lord's been speaking to me on is um, realizing I'm not a victim and I, a victim mentality is really just a poverty mentality it says that you have no power to change your circumstances but mostly your attitude, you have no power to change your heart response, you have no power, you are just um, affected by everything and everyone around you, and you have no power over what happens to you. You're bitter because so-and-so did this. You have unforgiveness because so-and-so never said they were sorry. You have, um, you have no love for this person. You cut them off because they did this. It doesn't matter what it is. You always feel like you have an excuse. That's what the victim mentality does. You have an excuse for why you're not showing love, why you're not showing forgiveness. Um, here's the truth. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You have the choice to respond with worship, love, and faith. That's what that raise a hallelujah is in the middle of the mystery. You're not a victim of whatever's come against you. 
Yes, it might have affected your physical circumstances, but your heart is your choice. You are a powerful person. You do not have to be negative. You do not have to be um, full of hopelessness and depression because of what's around you. You are more powerful. God has given you his spirit. You're more powerful than what's in front of you. You're more powerful than hopelessness staring you in the face. You have the power by the Holy Spirit to have hope, to have joy, to have victory over that thing. Um, You are a powerful person. No one else can turn your love off. So do not blame other people for why you're irritated, why, which I do that. This is all coming from me. (laughs) These are things, and you know what? There's probably more things, but these are the ones that that get me. Um, You you are uh, the only one responsible for your attitude. You're the only one responsible for your love. Your... uh, You cannot blame other people for your bitterness, your irritation, anger, or anything else that is not God. You have the responsibility. Uh, No one else can turn off your communication. You are responsible for the people you stopped talking to. You are responsible for the people you talked badly to. You are the one. No one else can, can make what words are coming out of your mouth. No one else can say... Um, oh, well, because they did that, that's why I said this. Well, because uh, it was a really hard situation and I was stressed, so that's why I spoke these words. No, you're the one. You're the one that has power. You're not a powerless person. That's what the Lord's been saying to me. You are not a powerless person. You're not, a, you're not in poverty. Poverty says, I have no money and it's never going to change and I just can't get a good job and I just can't blah, 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 excuses. That's what the victim mentality does with your emotions. I just can't get out of bitterness. I just can't get out of depression. I just can't get whatever it is. And you know what? It's really freeing when the Lord's, like when the Lord revealed this to me, it was super freeing. Oh, I can see change in my heart. I can do this because you're in me. And because you've given me the power over these things, I'm not waiting on someone to say they're sorry in order for me to be free from that situation. I'm not waiting for someone to um, come back to me and, and, you know, say whatever that we need them to say in order for me to love and move on and communicate and do whatever it is that God's calling me to do. Here's another one. You are not a victim of sin or generational sin or demonic powers. It's not, sin has no dominion over us. You're not a victim of generations of whatever. Oh, all my generations did this. Therefore, I'm, I'm just a victim of, of that. Because you know why? Jesus' blood was uh, spilled for us and is much more powerful than any sin, than any demonic powers, than any warfare, than anything. You cannot blame, here's another one, you cannot blame warfare on why you're irritated. Yes, warfare makes me feel irritated. That's kind of how I, how I, but it's your, you're the one who's powerful enough to say, hang on, I'm feeling irritated. Oh, I'm experiencing warfare. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take, take care of that. You're powerful. You can't just go around all day and why are you down? Oh, I'm just feeling warfare. <laughs> That's a victim mentality. Um, All right. You are a victorious son or daughter of God. Kick that self-pity victim mentality out of your house. (laughs) It's a stupid lying spirit that will keep you wallowing and wallowing, wallowing. I don't know. 
This didn't spell check wallowing. <laughs> All the wrongs that have happened to you, preventing you from moving into victory. If you have messes to clean up, then clean them up. You are a powerful person. Part of your identity as a son and a daughter is that you take ownership of any messes that you have created and you do something about them because you are a powerful person. You're not a victim of the messes you have created. Sons and daughters don't wallow in shame about their mistakes. That just produces, produces inaction. You are powerful. There we go. All right, here's the other thing. Uh, communication is a big one. Um, when me and Haley were, were dating, we had lots of ups and downs. <laughs> we had lots of ups and downs, and really the root of it was we didn't know how to communicate. And honestly, our whole culture doesn't know how to communicate. You watch a lot of TV shows, and it's like uh, example after example of bad <laughs> communication. <sighs> why, why have you been mad at me this whole time? Well, finally you asked. And that's really, a, that's really a bad, it's a bad example. Our communication looks like being totally transparent and open and having clean, clear lines of connection between you and someone else. Um, our ability to communicate with people is important because that's where a lot of connection comes from, our ability to communicate. Um, I wasn't going to share on this because I'm 25 and... I really don't have all the keys to communication, um, but I heard Chris Valentin share on this, and I thought, hey, it must be something the Lord's saying. So, um, yeah, so here I made a list of things that, um, about communication that I've learned, and I'm sure there's lots more, and you know what? If they're not exactly applying to you, go, the whole, whole thing that I, I, my real heart is that you would go and figure out what does real good communication look f like for me? Is there any areas where I'm not being a good communicator? Um, the website, yourtango.com, I just Googled it, asked 100 mental health experts to identify factors that commonly lead to divorce. The top two is issues, which accounted for like almost like 100% of it, um, the top two issues was one, communication problems. That's the number one issue that causes divorce that these people were saying. And the second thing, an inability to work together to resolve conflict, which is literally communication. <laughs> so what are some keys that I've learned? This is uh, self-awareness. That is the number one thing. You can't really go anywhere in your ability to communicate unless you are self-aware. This is not, um, what's the word that we've always, that we've talked about? Uh, looking inside yourself. Introspective. introspective, yeah. It's not being introspective and looking for something bad in you. Self-awareness is where you recognize what your heart, your emotions are feeling. Why, why am I feeling upset? Oh, it's not just because they did this. It's because I have this and this bothering me. Being self-aware is the first key to being able to healthily communicate. You have to know what's going on inside of your heart. You have to know. <clears throat> Jason Valentin says this, self-awareness is the ability to know what is going on inside of you at all times. All times. Um, so, 
Um, that another key for good communication. You both have to have the goal of connection and love. If you both have different goals, if the one person's goal is to humiliate you, you're probably not going to have a good communication line there. And there's boundaries that you need to set for people who, who just want bad for you, obviously. <laughs> but good communication starts with having the same goal of love and connection. You both have to, that's why you're talking through this conflict. That's why you're, you're saying these things, because I love you, because I want to have a clear connection with you. Um, yeah. Um, <coughs> recognizing defensiveness. This is one that I, I'm like, that was probably one of my biggest ones, but recognizing def defensiveness when it comes up in you. And what does that mean? It means somebody says, hey, I noticed this about you. And your first reaction is, I don't do that. No, no, that's not me. You know why I did that? Was because blah, 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 blah. I, I have, um, I don't know who pointed it out, probably Haley, but <laughs> no. Uh, I have, I, this is how I would handle handle any type of, and it wouldn't have to even be harsh, it would just be like, hey, I noticed that this happens whenever you do this, and my immediate reaction, take me like an hour to get through, is no, that's not right. I know my heart. My heart is not that way. Oh, I bet I did it because of blah, 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 and I list, I reason through why I was that way, and then I come to Haley and present my case. <laughs> uh, the <coughs> defensiveness will always shut down communication because your goal in defensiveness is not love and connection. It is, I'm right. I'm okay. Stop accusing me. And maybe it's come from past hurts. Maybe it's come from, um, you know, not being able to be secure in who you are. Maybe it's, I don't know, it can come from all kinds of different areas, but if you're defensive, you shut down communication immediately. You say, no, you're wrong, and I'm not listening to what you have to say. In fact, I'm going to build up a rebuttal for you. So, that's being self-aware. You recognize, oh, wait, I'm being defensive right now. What is this person, oh, oh, hang on, that's another one, sorry. Listening well. Um, that's part of being defensive. You stop listening when you're defensive. But listening well is another key. And what are you doing when you're listening? You're not listening for their words. In fact, they might be really bad communicators and using words that are kind of offensive. But if their goal is love and connection, you know them, that's what their goal is, then what do you do? You listen for their heart. You listen for what's behind it. Oh, this person's really hurt. They got hurt. That's why they're using these words right now. Listening well. Here's uh, five levels of listening. This also helps them feel like they're communicating to you, um, even, if it's, even if it's something you don't want to hear. One, <coughs> ignoring. That's the first level <laughs> of listening. Wouldn't really call that it listening. Uh, this is from somebody else. I didn't write this, and I should have quoted it. Oops. I could get in trouble. <laughs> I could get sued or something, probably. No. What am I saying? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> listening well. The second level of listening is pretending, pet, pretending to listen. And um, I think we all 
know what that is. It's, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wait, what'd you just say? I do that a lot. I think I, think I do it the most to Brian. She always gets mad at me. <laughs> She's like, you didn't hear a thing I just said, did you? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Selective listening is the third step. That's where you hear what you want to hear, and then you don't hear anything else. Uh, I do that too. Uh, you didn't say that. I remember. I said it right after this. Oh, I did hear that part. I just didn't want to do that. <laughs> okay. The fourth level. Attentive listening. And this is where you're listening, and you are, here's the thing that gets me. You're listening, you're fully engaged, you are hearing everything this person's saying, and you're even hearing maybe a little bit of their heart, but your goal is, okay, what is my response going to be? Okay, how am, what do I think about this? You're judging what they're saying as they're saying it. The fifth level of listening is emphatic listening. And this is where your goal is not to just process the information and come up with your own opinion. It's where you're hearing their heart and all you're concerned about is listening well to what are they really trying to say. What is behind their heart? What are, what's their heart feeling right now? You're feeling what they're feeling. You're trying to get in their perspective, their shoes. That's the highest level of listening. Okay, um, another key for good communication. Asking questions to clarify. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That's George Bernard Shaw. Make sure you ask questions to clarify what the other person is expressing or um, ask them if they understand what you're saying. And obviously, do this without an attitude. Well, what I'm hearing is you're basically just mad. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> asking, cl asking clarifying questions could look like what I'm getting is you're upset about this because this happened. Is that right? That, that sounds a lot different than sounds like you just need to get over it. Am I right? <laughs> uh, asking questions to clarify. Just because you feel like you got your point across doesn't mean the other person understood what you were saying. They might have been only attentively listening and not really understood your heart. Okay, another key. Using the correct language. Um, these are things that I've borrowed from people. I don't, these aren't all my points, but using the correct language. Um, when you're asked, oh, this is asking about questions, hang on. Don't ever turn the conversation into a pointed finger even if it's a confrontation, you, because you immediately turn them into defensive mode. You cannot control someone else's feelings. You cannot judge their heart or intention, so don't ever assume that you know what they were thinking or feeling or whatever in the situation. And that's, I think that's where it's so easy for me to, to get into pointing the finger. Well, you were just feeling this way, so that's why this happened. Um, so... Here's a good tip. Um, I think this was from Jason Valentin. Use language that is I and me. Because you're the powerful person. You can only control your emotions, not someone else's. Don't you avoid sentences that are you-centered. 
For example, instead of saying, you have a bad attitude, you hurt my feelings, <laughs> which, or any other pointed statements, you should share your side of the story, which would look like, which would look like, where did I write it down? When you said those words, I felt like this. I felt like you didn't care about my feelings when you said those words. Uh, when you did that action, it made me feel like I was being rejected. You see, it's about what I felt. This is what I felt happened when, whenever you said that. This is what happened to me. And I know that it's kind of easy, very easy, for you to just s point the finger and say, this is what you did wrong. I do that all the time, like I catch myself doing that. So anyways, that doesn't help communication. Um, and then two more, don't let it sit. Don't let an issue fester. And don't withdraw from that person in hopes that they'll just figure it out. <laughs> this is kind of what me and Haley did a lot. Well, if she just realizes I'm not responding to her text, she'll know I'm upset. That's not good communication. <laughs> You, when you feel something, and this is another thing, when you feel something, even if it's small, get it out there. Let them know right away. You don't gossip about it. Don't, don't go to other people and say, oh, you had that too? Um, don't let it sit there because it doesn't get healed. It grows. You add another thing and another thing, and you suppress it, and before long, you're just like, ah. Here's all of these issues that I've been seeing forever. And that doesn't do go well. Get it out there immediately. Time really, I was thinking about this. Maybe there's some things I'm missing, but time really doesn't heal things at all. <laughs> Holy Spirit, forgiveness, and communicating with your brothers and sisters can. Time just makes it grow, <laughs> makes it little seeds of hurt grow. Unless they're dealt with, they will never be healed. Relationships, this is the last key, relationships take work. People will make you mad. Things will happen in between people. There's just, that's just how it is. Relationships take work. Don't ever think it's just going to be easy. Don't ever get... Well, we're done because this is getting hard. Don't, don't, you have to realize any relationship is going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort on your part. Pain, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But you've got to realize all relationships. If you want to be in a relationship with clear communication, it's going to take work. It always does. It always does. And, yeah, I feel like there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, when communication fails, when you've tried to express yourself, when you, and for whatever reason, communication is not working, you pray. That's it. You don't, you don't take it to other people in irritation. You pray. You give it to the Lord and you say, Lord, I really love this person. I feel like we are having something in between us right now. I've tried. I don't feel like we're getting anywhere. Holy Spirit, come. Come and heal whatever's between us right now. Um, okay, here's another thing the Lord's been, um, and I'm almost done. Here's another thing that the Lord's been um, kind of doing in me, and this kind of goes all the way back to all these other things. Staying out of bitterness. <coughs> there is not much that grows very well in a wilderness. 
But you know what does grow really well? Bitterness. It always grows in wildernesses. And why is it? A lot of times it's because you blame other people and circumstances for why you're in the desert. When really, God led you there. Maybe he didn't. Maybe you led yourself there. But in the Israelites, circum- in the Israelites instances, God led them into the wilderness. It wasn't Moses' fault. The glory cloud went, hey, let's go right over here. <laughs> That's, I think that... Um, Bitterness is just something that the Lord wants completely out of us. And the story about Paul, um, when he's on the island stranded after the shipwreck, a snake bites him, and he shakes it off, and the peop- everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's going to die. And then he doesn't, and everybody is like amazed. And it opened, I think there's, there's doors that get opened for Paul there. But that's what bitterness looks like. It's like a snake biting you. And if you don't shake it off, and let Holy Spirit supernaturally give you the power over that bitterness, you're going to die. It, it slowly eats at you. Anyways, God wants us to be supernatural people who can shake off bitterness like that and walk, and the world will see it. The world will notice, oh my gosh, you went through that and you're not bitter? Wow. Um, so staying out of bitterness looks like healthy communication. It looks like getting rid of your victim mentality. It looks like dealing with every disappointment and emotional issue you're having and being self-aware. It looks like staying in God's presence. Moses stayed in his presence during the wilderness. It looks like soaking in God's love. So the last point I wanted to make. Um, If you feel like you've walked through a lot of emotional challenges this season, this last season, then get excited. God has been expanding you to hold miraculous power. That's really what this is about. Do you realize that we're not, one, we're on a journey here for this this life while we're here on this side of eternity. God's preparing us. If you've gone through emotional things and stretchings and, ugh, that's not fun, Get ready because it's because God's going to open you up to something completely new. Why did God take me and Haley through a bunch of ups and downs in our relationship and have us working on communication and being able to deal with what we're feeling inside? Because he was preparing us for marriage. What is God preparing you for? It's not just for nothing. What you've been going through, the ups and the downs, the emotional feelings, the bitterness, the disappointments, it's not for nothing. God has something big for you. And if you're having trouble believing me, then it goes back to the love. Soak in his love, and faith will rise. Faith is activated by knowing he loves you. When you soak in his love, oh my gosh, you've got good for me. You've got good plans. Faith turns on. Um, yep. I think that's it. Haley. I'm not going to share for very long. I'm just um, just kind of wanted to kind of transition into um, our ministry time with words of knowledge. And um, 
I, Teresa had told me on Thursday the video that she was going to share for that night that ended up getting shown today, so that worked out. Um, but basically, the, um, the point and the message getting across in that, the Lord had actually spoken, almost spoke, spoken, homeschooled, um, had spoken to me that morning. Okay. <laughs> Um, was like the same thing. And so (coughs) I felt like I was supposed to share a little bit of it this morning before we did words of knowledge. Um, So I had read the story. Everybody knows the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was leaving that area after everyone had been waiting there. It said they were overjoyed because they had been waiting for him to arrive. And then Jesus is getting ready to be taken away to go to the I don't know how to say his name, Jairus, Jairus, whatever, um, to heal his daughter. And this woman um, had been dealing with slow bleeding for 12 years. And I'm just going to go ahead and read just a couple verses out of it and then summarize the rest. Um, in the crowd that day was a woman. This is Luke 8, 43 through 44 for anyone who wants to know. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all she had had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl, and instantly her bleeding stopped and she was healed. And I just felt, as soon as I read that, I just felt like the power of God in those verses. And she had been dealing with this for a long time. I think 12 years is a long time to deal with something. I know people deal with things longer, but that's a long time to be bleeding. And whenever you're bleeding, you're weak, like your body is working to make up for all of that lost blood. So physically, she was weak. She was tired. She was worn out. She had spent everything she had had on healers, hoping to get her freedom and her healing and what she knew she deserved. And also, I think... um, I think back then, like, whenever you were bleeding, you were unclean, and um, women were already kind of, like, thought of as unclean already, and so there was a lot of shame attached with her that she carried around for 12 years, but then it said, and she was still suffering, she had done all of this, and still she was suffering, and I loved this, just these two words, pressing in through the crowd. And I just, I just saw a picture of her and like she was pressing in through the suffering, pressing in through the weakness uh, with persistence. She was pressing in through the shame. And as I read that, I heard the Lord say, try again. And I felt like it was a word to um, us, to me, to keep trying to believe. We can't work to get our healing. We can't work to get our breakthrough. The press isn't working to try to earn something. It is pressing in with faith. It's whenever there's an altar call for healing, you try again and you come up because you never know that one time may be the time you get healed. She didn't know. She was just trying. No one, I don't know if this is actually 100% true, but from what I can see, no one had touched the hem of Jesus's garment yet and gotten healing. But after this, you see where it spread throughout the region, people began to touch the hem of his garment and they were getting healing. It was like her, her, um, my heart's beating really fast. Her, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Yes. 
Her, there it is, I had it in my notes. Her faith was a catalyst used to ignite faith in the region. And Jesus drew attention to it because he wanted to use it as like a teaching moment to show the crowd that was there, you can touch the hem of my garment and you will be healed. Blessed are you woman for doing this. And, um, and everywhere Jesus went, people began pressing in to touch him. Instead of waiting to be touched by him, they began partnering their faith with another person's so that they could touch the hem of his garment and receive their healing. And um, I also think a couple days before this, I had just kind of felt a little bit discouraged just with some things in my own life. And I just, I saw the Lord, I saw him, um, give me a picture of me as like a lighthouse planted firmly on the rock. And if you see a picture of like lighthouses in like Maine, a lot of times, almost always, they're like on a cliff, on a rock, but they're on a rock. And I just, capital R, rock. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Feels a little corny, but it's true. Um, they're planted on the rock. And I just felt like he told me, I could be a lighthouse planted firmly on the rock to be a, a beacon of hope for ships lost at sea. And that's what your testimony is. That's what her testimony was. People realized, wait, I don't just have to wait to be picked out of the crowd. I can actually reach out and touch him and get my healing. Oh my gosh. I don't have to just wait for him to, to, to meet me where I am. I can actually press in with faith and he will meet me because he's good and I will receive what I ask for. And um, I just wanted to encourage you all today. Um, I actually, I'm in the, I'm reading in the Gospels, so I have all the classic verses that you share, but they're really good. Um, and so I saw this one today, and I was like, this is exactly it. Um, it's Luke 11, 9 through 13. Um, and it, Jesus had just shared with them um, the story of the persistent man who went and knocked on his friend's house in the middle of the night and wouldn't stop until he answered his door. And it says, um, so it is with your prayers. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will one day open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently, persistently will one day find an open door. So you keep knocking because that one time, that one time you keep trying again, that one day you will find an open door. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will a perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? Yours is the fullness. Yours is the kingdom of heaven because you have such a good father. And I just want to encourage you that whatever miracle, if it's healing, if it's a breakthrough with your family, if it's a job, if it's financial, whatever the thing is, yours is the kingdom of heaven and Holy Spirit's fullness 
belongs to you because you are a child of God. And I just want to encourage you guys to keep believing, keep partnering with faith. Every time there's an opportunity for someone to pray for you, keep stepping out and believing and trust God that he has good for you. And one day that door will open. One day that healing will be yours. One day that breakthrough will be yours and it will be a testimony to so many others. It's not just about you. It's a testimony for others to see the goodness of God in your life and believe it can be theirs too. And I just wanted to encourage you all with that. And I think we're going to have the school of ministry. Anyone who had words of knowledge can come up and just like line up across the front. (laughs) Y'all can come up. Okay, so um, what we're going to do is whenever you share your word, we're going to, if anybody else has a word for that specific, like about that, like that specific body part or whatever, um, we're going to have them share it, and then y'all are going to pray. So I'll just walk you through it. Um, I felt like there's some people in here that need um, healing for their knees. Okay, so whoever has problems with their knees, raise your hand high. Okay, did anybody else have any words? Okay, all right, Um, so I want people in the area around them, if you're close to them, just to lay your hands on them, if you could, and then Mariah's going to pray over you. God, I just thank you for your healing, and I just felt like you were going to heal all of the um, problems with knees, all of the pain. So right now, I just thank you for complete healing, no more pain, all pain goes, and I thank you, God, that they're never going to have problems with their knees again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I had a right elbow. Okay, and I had a word with it too, so um, can I go ahead and share that? Okay, so I felt like as God's going to heal your elbow, but also as he's doing that, he's going to heal like disappointment in your heart. So, all right, um, God, I just lift up God Ezra to you right now, and God, anyone else that's dealing with pain, and God, I just speak complete healing. God, all pain go, and all um just disappointment go and God I just speak that God you're just gonna um take all the pain out of his elbow and just go in there and just heal it (laughs) (laughs) um I had wrists if anybody has wrists that are hurting like I oh LaVonda anybody else oh Brandy if you guys could pray around them. <coughs> hmm. Lord, we just release right now healing into their wrists. Lord, um, if it's both of them or just one of them, Lord, we release healing right now. 
And Lord, we just thank you for um, touching him. Lord, all pain going. Lord, anything that's wrong being uh, made right in the name of Jesus. Um, I also heard wrist, and God said that it was for two people, and so, but I heard a word for both of you, but I just felt like God was just like, you had like a disappointment with yourself, and just like in situations that have come up in the past or whatever, and God was just saying that, stop looking at those things that you've put on yourself that have disappointed you about yourself, and, and push forward, and just, and just forget about them, because God's already forgotten about them and forgiven you and just to live on, so. Okay, um, neck pain. <coughs> okay. Okay. Um, Lord, I just ask you that you'd, um, that you'd strengthen the necks, you'd strengthen the spine, you'd uh, um, line it up, God. And God, I just ask you for healing in them right now. Jesus, I ask that anyone's neck or hurting would just be healed and they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. And it'd just be like, like completely healed, God, and it'd be soon. Uh, I heard that um, someone has a problem where maybe they're they're doing something with their hands and it'll either like cramp up or tense up and they can't use them again for a while. Is that anyone? All right, well, I had a word with it and I just um, heard that when your hand cramps up, it's the em it's the enemy purposefully making that do that because he knows how much power you carry and how much power you can emanate through your hands, Lord. I just ask that those hand problems, those cramps, those tensing, the tensing up of the muscles would just relieve. They would just be gone and it wouldn't interfere with any of the day-to-day -day activities or things they like to do, Lord. And I just thank you that you're healing it. Okay. Um, I also had hands, too, so I was going to pray for them all real quick. But, Lord, I just thank you, God, for releasing healing over every person's um, hands, Lord. I saw, um, for some reason, I specifically saw the left hand that had shooting pain in it. That kind of went into the wrist, too. So, Lord, I just speak over that. And, God, I just ask that you would release the fullness of healing um, over their hands. And I disagree with Ezekiel. I think they carry a lot of power in their hands. So, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for healing that in them. In Jesus' name. Um. I heard uh, headaches, really bad headaches. Jesus, I ask you that you'll heal their headaches, that um, there won't be any more pain in them, and that they'll be able to do, like, read or whatever that makes them have the headaches.
Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yay, Jesus. Everybody wants to stand. We'll go ahead and close. <laughs> Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for how you're moving. And Lord, all of the um, testimonies that we got to hear during the announcements and Lord, the things that you were doing during worship and Lord, even the uh, testimonies, God, I believe we're going to hear more of in the future. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And Lord, thank you for releasing faith to arise. God, I just ask that you would bless all these people. Jesus, name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Mm -hmm.